Our scripture this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again. It is December the 31st, the last day of the year, which means for some of you, um, you've got some new plans for 2024, some dreams for the new year, some new opportunities that are coming your way. Others of us are still trying to figure out just how many chapters and books we have to read to finish our Bible in a year reading plan. Just a word of advice, if you're stuck in Leviticus chapter 2, just start in chapter 3 tomorrow and keep going. Like just keep, if you need to skip to the New Testament, that's fine too. But it's important that you find a way to engage with the spiritual disciplines of prayer and study and fasting and solitude and fellowship and worship in 2024. We want to start our year together by looking for the ways that God is moving within us to shape us and form us to be the people that God has called us to be. So to, again, to start our year, we're going to be talking and thinking about what God is doing among us here at Pittman Park and how God is calling us as a church to move forward in faith because it feels like God is doing something incredible and powerful here at Pittman Park. I, I don't know if that's just me, but but I feel like God is doing something that I've never really been a part of before, that God is building something powerful and strong for the sake of Statesboro and for the sake of the kingdom right here at Pittman Park. So with that in mind, let's take a moment to go to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you that today you are building us into the church that you would have us to be, that you're building us into the people that you would have us to be. And we ask now, Lord, as we hear your word, that we would be transformed by its power, that we would become your disciples and that you might truly be our God. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, every day on my ride to and from the church, I drive by construction sites. It seems like Statesboro today is filled with construction sites. First, as I turn out of Cypress Lake, headed toward the church on the bypass, I pass the Tormenta and Publix construction zones uh, over there by Aikens Road. Do you guys remember what it was like when they first cleared the land for Publix. Do you remember that? We had such anticipation for what might be done on that plot of land, didn't we? Then we people rode by with their hands in the air just praying, Lord, let it be. Let Publix come to Statesboro, didn't we? We prayed hard for that place, and, and here it is. Well, now as I pass by, it's no longer uh, the Publix that I see. It's, it's a new Chick-fil-A going in, our third Chick-fil-A. Who would have ever thought Statesboro would be a three-Chick-fil-A town? But here we are, friends. Chick-fil-A is going up over on Aikens. A little bit further down, the Jack and Ruth Ann Hill Convocation Center, or as I call it, New Hanner, is going up. You can see the steel rising above the tree line. It wasn't that long ago, though, that I was making extra trips around Paulson Stadium to watch the steel go up on the indoor-outdoor practice facility there um, and thinking about what might happen on that field. It was incredible to watch all of this st 
steel rise and the walls going up on these buildings. And just the other day, I was thinking about how I watched the bypass being built over there while I was here in college from 99 to 04 and how different our city is today. God's been moving in this place. New things are happening. New opportunities are presenting themselves. And we have an opportunity to be a part of the building and rebuilding of our city, of our community, of our little corner of the world here in Statesboro. I love watching all those projects take shape, but if you were to ask me to think of one word that would describe any of those construction sites or the atmosphere around those construction sites, it would be noisy, incredibly noisy. Construction sites are full of folks shouting at each other, right? Shouting instructions and directions, sometimes just shouting at each other. They're filled with the sound of hammers pounding and saws cutting and cranes lifting and jackhammers thudding and drills drilling and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other noises. Construction, construction is a noisy thing. But if you read through the scriptures about perhaps the largest building project in the Old Testament, Solomon's temple, you see that it was built in a very particular way. If you read 1 Kings chapter 6, it says that the temple of God was built in silence, that no hammer or chisel or any other iron tool was ever heard at the temple site while it was being built. Can you imagine how strange it would be to watch the temple of God rising up from the ground but never hearing a sound as the stones were being laid? The temple of God silently rising from the mount. It would be a building that would be set apart from all the others, wouldn't it? It would make that building special and sacred. I'm not going to tell you how King Solomon did it. It, it wasn't exactly a miracle. You can research it by reading 1 Kings chapter 6 for yourself. The point is that the temple that God was building, the place where the very presence of God was said to reside, was built without any noise. It was built silently. Many people speculate the reason Solomon built it this way, the way he chose to construct the temple without any noise. Partly it's because I'm sure that this was a sacred space, a space where God would dwell so even the construction was seen as holy and as an act of worship. The temple was holy and Solomon wanted it to have an atmosphere of peace and order rather than the normal construction atmosphere of noise and chaos. But the other reason, I think, the temple was built this way, a reason that perhaps Solomon was not even aware of, is prophetic. Today, in the era of the church, there is no more physical temple. We don't go to a specific place on a specific mountain to worship and experience the presence of God. No, anytime we gather, the spirit and presence of God is with us. So the kingdom and the temple that God is building is being built silently as well. You can't hear the walls of the temple of God going up inside of your heart or inside of our community of faith here at Pittman Park. You don't get to see it visibly rise from the dust. But God is building it all the same. This is what Paul is trying to explain in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. 
He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. And the consequently has to do with how Paul talks about us being chosen and adopted and brought into the family of God as children of God, even before the foundations of the earth, how God had chosen us not to be estranged from God, but but to be a part of his family. So he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Paul is describing here what God is doing among God's people there in the city of Ephesus. How God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone for His eternal temple, the foundation of which is set in the lives and examples of the apostles and prophets who have gone before us, the saints who have gone ahead of us, whose lives have demonstrated for us how to live faithfully before God. Paul is saying here that the foundation of our lives is being built together into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So Paul begins by saying in verse 22, in Him, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, you too are being built together. Which leads back to everything that Paul has said in the first two chapters of Ephesians. Up to this point in the letter, Paul has talked about how we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of world, of the world, how through God's love we're adopted as children of God. But Paul goes even further and he says that Jesus, in him, we have redemption, that through his blood we have forgiveness, that we have the riches of his grace, and that we've obtained an inheritance, that we've been called according to God's purpose and that we have hope in Christ. I could keep going on, but Paul, he lists again and again the wonderful riches that we have been blessed with by being in Christ. And in him, Paul says, you are being built. It's important that you hear those words in the right order, that in him we are being built. Paul doesn't say that we are built or that we are finished, but instead he says that we are being built, that day by day we are being formed, built into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Like steel rising from a concrete foundation, our lives are being formed each day by God so that we might become together and individually God's dwelling place. This is one of the things I love about our theology as Methodists. We don't think that God, once we enter into a relationship with Him, is done with us. But instead, no, we believe that God continues to work in us day by day to make us like Him, to grow the fruit of the Spirit within us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those aren't gifts that are received, friends, but rather fruit that has grown up in us over time. And growth, friends, takes time. Think back to when you were in elementary school. We had this one special day when we came uh, into class after lunch, and the teacher told us to bring all of our uh, chocolate milk boxes, because we all drank chocolate milk. Nobody wanted to drink white milk. We just drank chocolate milk. 
So we brought our chocolate milk boxes from the lunchroom, and we went to the sink, and we washed out the boxes. You remember this little project, don't you? Then we filled those boxes full of topsoil. You get where I'm going now? And then the teacher gave us each a bean sprout. And it wasn't even a sprout yet. It was just a little bean. And we took that little bean and we stuck it down into the dirt and we watered the dirt. And then we put those little half cut open boxes of milk in the windowsill. And we waited until the next morning when we came in to the classroom and ran to the window to see our boxes of dirt sitting on a windowsill. Because nothing had happened. So we waited and we came in the next day and again looked at our boxes of dirt sitting on the windowsill and this went on for the better part of two weeks. Nothing seemed to be happening. Then suddenly, about two and a half weeks into the project, a little tiny sprig of green popped out of the ground. Popped out of that little bit of dirt in that chocolate milk container. See, what was happening was growth. We just couldn't see it. Beneath the soil, hidden away in stillness and quiet, those seeds that we had planted, those beans that we had planted were germinating and and the shells were breaking off and roots were being sunk down into the soil. And over time, that growth that was unseen finally made its way to the surface. The same things happen in our lives as Christians, friends. Growth takes diligence and time. It takes discipline. Growth takes effort. Often the kind of growth that God wants us, wants to take place in our lives is quiet and unseen. It's hours spent in prayer and in study. It's time spent serving and sharing the grace of God with others. It's sharing God's goodness with the world around us, inviting others to join us on our journey of faith in Christ. Growth happens when we discipline our lives in practices that transform us in Christ. Growth happens when we live lives of integrity and purpose in Christ. John Wesley calls this growth being sanctified or perfected in love. It's a process. It's not a moment. It takes time. But that process, that discipline, transforms us and reshapes our lives. Paul would say, it builds us. It forms us. And here's an even more miraculous thing. You and I, we're being built individually. We're growing individually, but we're also being built together in the same way. Individual stones are composed, the individual stones compose the first temple of God. We too, our lives are being fit together in Christ. We're being joined together to become together a dwelling place for God. Because friends, a stone by itself is just a stone. But a stone shaped and properly set can become a wall. And a series of walls can become a building rising above the trees. We can become more than the sum of our parts when we're fit together into a temple for God. This is why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, that for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Paul will describe in this chapter how each of us has a unique part to play, gift to give, and responsibility within the body of Christ. We need each other to fully realize God's purpose in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in the world, which is why Paul says in verse 27, now you, that's all of you or y'all, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Every single one of us is being strategically shaped and formed so that we can be and build the body of Christ. Why? to become a place where God lives by His Spirit. Ephesians 2.21 said that we are a building, we, we are a building in Christ in a temple of the Lord. Ephesians 2.22 says we are the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the place where God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, resides. He dwells in us when we allow ourselves to be shaped and formed by Him. This is what we are. This is what we are becoming. It's our present and it's our future. We are being built individually and corporately into God's church. Each of us with a unique part to play, a unique gift to give, a unique set of friends and acquaintances to share the gospel with. So let me ask you a question. When you think about what God is doing here, you have to ask the question, What is the church? We talk about this room where we're gathered here and now as being the sanctuary, but really, biblically, what is the sanctuary of God? What is the building that God inhabits? It's you and it's me. So what's real church growth? A friend of mine one time defined church growth as an increase in buildings, budgets, and butts in seats. If you have bigger buildings, bigger budgets, and more butts in the seats, then surely your church is growing. In fact, there's a whole industry built around this concept of church growth. You can uh, go to Christianity Today and look at the top 100 fastest growing churches in the U.S. based on buildings, budgets, and butts in seats. So if if you have bigger buildings and a bigger budget and more people in worship, then you're growing, right? Well... Maybe. Maybe. But it turns out that God isn't just building more buildings with brick and mortar. Instead, God is building a kingdom made up of people like you and me who've devoted their lives wholly and completely to God's will and purposes in the world. So the church that God is building is is not about buildings and programs. It's not even about attendance. In fact, when we understand how God views the church, it's possible that a group with the fewest numbers actually the largest church in town. Well, how can that be? Well, perhaps it's because that small group has fully devoted themselves to seeing God's will and work done in the world. They fully submitted themselves to allowing God to build them from the inside out. 
So my charge to you and my hope for you as we leave 2023 and move into 2024 is that you and I would take seriously the work of allowing God to grow us and shape us. That we would spend time in quiet, allowing God to sink roots down deep so that we can glorify Him and become a transforming presence here in Statesboro. My hope for each of us is that the building that's being built within us would be built beyond us. That Statesboro, that Bullock County, that the whole world might know the God who we love, who we serve, the God who's building us so that we can be a part of his rebuilding of this world. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you that you take broken vessels like us, misshapen blocks, and you reshape us and reform us so that we can be built into your temple, so that your kingdom can be built in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world. And we pray today, Lord, as your people, that you would move among us and within us, that you would stir our hearts to love you, to love our community, and to love our world, so that we might be able to share the gospel in places near and far. Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have done in 2023. And we thank you, Lord, that you're not done with us yet. That day by day we are being built and we are being saved. Made like you. That the whole world might be made like you. God, as we worship and celebrate this morning, remind us of the responsibility we have to love and to serve and to conform our lives to your life. Bless us and keep us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.